0: I'm Aaron Armstrong.
1: I'm Pete Moran. And we love to watch. We love to watch. We'd love to give you an episode about Shin Godzilla, but it hasn't passed the proper subcommittee of people that like to watch. Uh, And then we need to move to a different conference room, and then we can assess whether or not we love to watch Shin Godzilla.
0: less. We should just say we uh recording Shin Godzilla. It's our first time doing it. Mm-hmm. And regardless of what ends up happening in this episode, I think we should say that we did a great job mm-hmm. uh based on everything that we had, which is never talking about Shin Godzilla before.
1: Yeah. Oh, oh, excuse me. One of my assistants is speaking in my ear. Okay. Okay. Uh it turns out we can't talk about Shin Godzilla. Can we just let the Americans talk about Shin Godzilla? <laughs> as long as the Russians aren't talking about Godzilla, the Americans are fine with it.
0: Yeah, we're we're here at the end, though, of our longest uh, series ever, uh, where, where we love to watch our movie podcast. we pick a theme, we do movies, normally over just one month around the theme. This time we've done... The summer of Godzilla size does matter. Double supersize month uh, started at eight weeks. It got to more movies packed into those eight weeks, and then eventually exploded out into into ten weeks. And this is it. It kind of we've been recording Godzilla for so long that it is it is weird. Uh, Peter, right in the green room before this, we were talking about what we're recording next, and it's not a Godzilla or kaiju movie. It is a little weird. It's like, oh, yeah, we cover, we're not a Godzilla <laughs> podcast. We do talk about other things. We're like, you know, we're like the, the you know, the war's over. We're the last last guy at Iwo Jima, and we're coming out. And we're like, oh, my God, I don't know if Clint Eastwood's the right director for this. I don't think he's going to be sensitive to the Japanese part of it. But, but he's, you know, he got the studio backing behind him, and, yeah, go ahead. Let's give him the money. Let's shoot Letters from Iwo Jima. Right, that's um, that's what that means.
1: Yep, that's how it works.
0: Last soldier, with mm-hmm. Jima. concerned about Clint Eastwood making noted racist. <laughs> Clint Eastwood. <laughs> We're talking about Shin Godzilla. It's the last one. It is uh, the last Toho produced Godzilla movie. Uh, live action. There has been some animated and uh, trilogy of animated movies that they've produced. That, according to what I've heard, Peter, are garbage. <laughs> Uh, people I, I'm hate already them.
1: I'm already uh you know uh very gently engaging with anime as a as a form. Um I Gently no, you had a long recommendation list for me. I i guess compared to anime people. Um Otakus, is they're called. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um com- compared to uh anime people it's it's uh not very much but um i have an appreciation quite a bit of appreciation for anime uh a lot of the big names though uh however i have no uh no fucking ability to watch cgi anime in almost yeah, any context
0: like i didn't <laughs> <I> even <laughs> throw on a show that people love demon slayer like i'm like i'm gonna give this a try and it's not that i will never return to it but 10 minutes in i'm like oh, i hate this
1: yeah. Uh, I have tried so many times just to watch the Berserk movies. Oh, yeah. And every time I'm like... Because I heard the third one's good. Maybe I'll have to take their word for it. I've also
0: heard that like the, the back half of the third Rewa animated Godzilla movie is good, but I'm not going to watch it because they, they seem to be very long and they seem like shit. But they did produce one live action film. We'll talk a little bit about why they haven't produced another one because uh, Anno, who directed this, who we'll talk about in a second, wanted actually wrote up a sequel.
1: It opens they, itself up for a sequel in a way I didn't quite understand when I first saw it, and now I totally get it. Yeah, but uh, but
0: so far this is the this is was the first Toho produced Godzilla movie since 2004's Final Wars, uh, twelve years after that. And what's so funny, Peter, is that you know part of the reason that they kind of jumped the gun for what they had initially planned to do and made Godzilla 2000 back in 1999 was because they had given the rights to Columbia Tristar to make Emmerich's 1998 Godzilla movie. It was a fucking disaster. Toho hated it. Um, Audiences hated it. Critics hated it. No one liked it. And they're like, we, we can't wait another, you know, seven years like they were originally planning to to restart a new Godzilla series. We need to make a Godzilla movie, get his good name back, let people know here's what Godzilla is. It isn't a shitty-looking CGI iguana. It is a man in a suit, uh, trampling buildings. And that series was, like, the entire series for the most part was kind of ill-considered poorly received from a from a critical standpoint poorly attended from an audience standpoint but it was like their immediate reaction to an american godzilla movie that they approved was fuck that we need to make another godzilla movie this was the same except on the 180 degrees on the other side of it Godzilla 2014 comes out it's a huge box office success that Legendary Pictures has produced Toho is like very happy with the what they ended up coming up with that feels both honoring the character that Toho has been very protective of while also making it its own thing and so Toho's studios is like fuck it's Godzilla fever we need to make another Godzilla movie and 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 get it out there and ride the coattails a little bit on it, and so that's what they do. So it seems to me that in 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 you know hindsight uh, is twenty twenty, but uh, it seems like regardless of what happens, if America makes a Godzilla movie, they want to immediately make uh, another one, regardless of that if that was their plans or not. So uh, that is what they did, and we'll we'll I don't know how much we'll get into this later on. But a very successful move on their part. Not only did they make, I think, uh, one of the best Godzilla movies and one that, I, th- while not a remake of the original, is, I think, a modern equivalency parable of what the original was trying to do, which I'm sure we'll talk about a lot, Peter. But also it became the most successful uh, Godzilla movie from a box office perspective ever in Japan and uh, had insanely rain, rave reviews um in 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 Japan as well. It actually had somewhat more mixed reviews in America, but uh which is kind of surprising because everyone I know like in our film groups fucking loved it. Uh but uh yeah, this I mean Toho was like Godzilla fever's back, people want Godzilla, we're going to make another one and they were right. It was a huge hit across the board and I think part of that Peter though is ultimately who they got to uh, write and direct it
1: yeah yeah um <laughs> so the anticipation Ev- evangelion as we discussed in in our previous episode evangelion is like not so much just a t- cool tv show people liked in japan It it's it's a massive like marketing blitz um the movies made uh a, a huge amount of money um in japan and um the uh, the characters are still immediately and the, uh, the designs are still immediately recognizable to lots and lots of Japanese people, which is like crazy for a show that ended '97. Um, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, just the fact that the creator's name was on this movie and he wrote and directed it, he wasn't like a for hire kind of thing. Um, he wrote and directed it, and conceptually has a lot in common with, with and, and recalls Evangelion in certain ways. <clears throat> um, Really, like, I think is it explains uh, some of its success at a time where, like, I think it was hard for Toho to understand exactly how popular Godzilla was. To the point that, like, how much money can we put behind Godzilla, right? Like, yeah. And this movie does have, like, some corners cut. A lot of the movie is men in suits sitting behind crappy laptops like a lot of the movie is that it sounds way more boring when you describe it that way but like a lot of the a, a lot of the movie is just like is people in suits largely men arguing with each other in various conference rooms yeah uh that is 100% right
0: and you know also like i think from an american perspective like neon uh genesis evangelion is such a cult thing in the united states you're right though peter it was huge in in Japan, the movies, um, and at this point, he's deep into his remake movie series, which I thought, seeing, it might be fun to cover at some point on the show, especially a little a little further removed from when we did the the full series and movie episode. Uh, but what's interesting is that Toho went after him, really, went after uh, Ano extremely hard to make this movie, uh, which it, I think, like, you know, there's not a bigger property in Japan, really, than Godzilla from a from a, well, how much budget they put behind those movies and stuff like that. And, it like, I think knowing who Godzilla is and knowing what uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion is, I think looking at it from that perspective in the United States, it feels like something that would have went the reverse. That, like, this, like, cult, uh, you know, TV show creator fought and pleaded with Toho – to to let him make his Godzilla vision, and that wasn't the case. It was the opposite. Uh, Toho really wanted him. He turned it down a couple times. Uh, he when they first approached him about it, he was wrapping up. Uh, I'm not. There's no way I'm going to get this title right, and I didn't write it down. But whatever the like thrice upon Evangelion movie
1: is, <laughs> I, I, I've seen I've seen all of the Evangelion movies, uh-huh. and I think I think my brain consciously refuses to learn the titles of it. It has thrice. It's the only one that has thrice in it. <laughs> yeah, so, I actually see see. No honor in being able to remember the names of any of them and i've uh, given but, most of them really good sc- uh but <laughs>
0: but he was wrapped he had wrapped up that and got it released and he was uh i think we talked about this a lot in the evangelion episode that he suffers from depression pretty heavily and he was going through a pretty extended uh post post uh thrice upon evangelion depression bout it sounds like and he kept Turning down Toho and Toho kept like aggressively pursuing him with more offers of of freedom and everything else. And it was after the uh, Fukushima disaster, um, which happened in 2011. So a little bit later, but he he was like reading all these reports that were starting to come out about how essentially incompetent the 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 government was and started shaping this idea of a Godzilla movie that is kind of he also felt like. You know, he couldn't live up to – he loved uh, Honda's original. feel like I-, I can't live up to that. Like what's the point in doing a Godzilla movie the best possible Godzilla movies already been created and anything else is going to exist in the shadow? But those things kind of collided around the idea that as he, as more and more stories of the nuclear disaster uh, and and Japan's kind of inaction to really – Stop it from happening and respond to it in, in, in very much like the same way that a lot of our stories, like how many movies did Hurricane Katrina influence and stuff like that, where um he's like, well, if the original Godzilla movie was about threats from without, threats to Japan from without that were putting the the country at risk, what if I make the inverse Godzilla movie? What if I make a Godzilla movie about how right now it feels like in a lot of ways we have less threats from without and more – threats of with from within that are more around uh incompetence or inability to act or just kind of government by like procedurally generated in the face of like impending disasters whether it was global recessions or nuclear disasters or anything else and so he ha- he started formulating this idea around the essentially the inverse of Honda's original, and that's when he kind of started to get excited about it and and put it together. And it very much is that. One thing I think it's going to be hard for me to comment on, um, Peter, you may feel more comfortable for some reason. I don't know why you would. But like I, I don't really have a sense of like Japan's internal politics over the last 15 years, right? Like I am aware of, you know, reports around the incompetence in government and and some of those other things that were happening following – Some of their, some of their recent disasters, but obviously not living there, it's, it's really hard for me to like comment around how accurate or how relevant, um, uh, Anno's vision of what, what it feels like, how, how the, you know, 2000s era Japanese government would react to something like a Godzilla, uh, Godzilla attack or a monster attack. What I can say is that obviously living in a country that has its own share of like complete ineptitude at, Responding to so crisis after crisis, that it feels very universal, and I'm, I, I, I don't want to. The part of the reason I'm trying to call that out is Ano's vision is very much a direct attack on the internal me- uh, mechanisms of Japan's government, like that. It's it's explicitly in the movie. It's explicitly stated by the director. I don't want to take something that explicit and direct it and try to make it well. This is kind of universal. too, but. You know, there there is a little bit of that too, because the themes that he's touching on are about incompetence in government and you know, inability to do things unless a poll says something does
1: feel relevant regardless of what country you're in. Yeah, I, I know probably uh not enough to speak on it with confidence, but I know a little bit about the Japanese government and their sort of uh history just uh from recent recent reading. Um and enough to to sort of uh Uh, have appreciated this movie more than when it first came out. When it first came out, I was just like, this is a rad as fuck movie about, um, yeah, about uh, political bureaucracy and how it uh, limits uh, the ability for even very talented, very um, smart, (laughs) capable people of of getting people who are willing
0: to work hard, change systems. I saw
1: this right. I saw this right after to put it more about global context. Like I saw this right after Trump was elected um, so I didn't see it right when it came out, um, and uh, I was still shaking off, and, I, and it was sort of going through this like mourning period. Because to me, like a lot of the o- Obama administration, like the promise was like, if you put uh, good, earnest people into the inside these institutions, you can fix them f- from within. I've talked about in the show also that's like sort of like the perspective of Brooklyn Nine Nine, and the Brooklyn Nine Nine by the end of it had to be like, oh, actually, there's no fixing the police like <laughs> like by the end of the show had to sort of just admit that the, the jig was up um and yeah uh, they
0: they they still have to they still kind of, like i loved that last season and all of brooklyn Nine-Nine, the pro- but they still kind of do like actually like you know bad police are bad but what we need is good police when like i think you and i would say the answer is we need a completely different police asked yes.
1: yeah and parks and rec is also like a i idealized version of like okay well, if you put the right people in the right position you can fix even the most incompetent and apathetic yeah. uh, government institutions um it just takes a lot more elbow grease to even get like a tiny tiny park done right like um so um like i was i was shaking off some of that like optimism of that era and trying to like Turn myself into a more realistic and perhaps More jaded and and depressed person Um but um I saw this movie right at that time and it hit me Really hard where I was like I was like oh this this very much Reminds me of the tail end of the Obama Era where like They weren't even fighting that hard to place that Supreme Court seat. Like they did make a big public stink about it because they were so confident that the next administration was just going to, you know, take up and and, and, uh, pick up the ball with uh, Hillary's administration. But then they got a shock to the system, like something happened that wasn't supposed to happen and ended up being astronomically bad for us. But like I sort of watched it within that context, watching it now, I think. I have more of the specific context that Ano was was infusing, which is about a um, stagnant government that is – Japan is not actually a one-party system, but it's largely a one-party system. And what they do is they um, jam uh, right-wing and centrist elements inside this quote-unquote liberal party. It's sort of like how the Irish Republican Army is like not – not, the term Republican doesn't mean – yeah, <laughs> in that context what it means uh, in America. Um, you know, terms mean different things different places. Um, but the the liberal party wow. in Japan is the ruling party and they're they're not a liberal party uh, really. Um, and uh the yeah, it's a party that's that's perpetrated like a grand amount of uh civil rights abuses. It's it's a party that's perpetrated a grand amount of just smothering of political dissent. Um, and in a one party system <laughs> yeah it's crazy to think that uh if you just make the the party system this big blob party that can't lose um kind of gets watered down and taken over by by bad actors it's hard hard for us to relate um seems like a seems like a mistake they shouldn't do that yeah um but the the point is that like this movie is like within that specific context um and it's also interesting to watch this movie right after Abe was assassinated because Japan is currently sort of sorting through like a lot Japan is currently sorting through a lot of their like dark history because yeah. like the country got a shock to the system. Like, oh, you're not supposed to you're supposed to kill a, an ex prime minister. <laughs> I know there was a really funny tweet about like, um, like, oh, actually, in Japan, it's considered very taboo to shoot politicians. <laughs> Oh, yeah. in Japanese culture,
0: <laughs> oh yeah, uh, as a, as a yeah, it was it was like one of those one out of three hundred and seventeen. Like what some Amer- what some Westerners may not realize as I do, as study who someone who study Japanese <laughs> culture, it's actually incredibly rude to assassinate political leaders.
1: <laughs> but the point is that like they uh, this is like actually a shock to the system of Japan, and like political leaders in this sort of chaos are are trying to like respond by like. Seeming proactive and trying to like oust the bad actors because like the average Japanese person is like, yeah, f- fucking great. Put him in the ground. I don't I don't care. like I don't, I don't care. Like I have no I have no no uh, uh, uh sweetness for Abe. The, the the man the man sucked. And like that's well, what's what to a dead politician that like yeah. ruled the country for a long time. Yeah, is. Is very informative to a movie like Shin Godzilla.
0: Well, and also, I, I, I sent this to you, but Abe, like, so Shin Godzilla was a huge success, right? And like, like a lot of politicians in every country, they like to align themselves with popular things. And Shin Godzilla was popular, so Abe saw it. And what was the exact quote? I sent it to you. His response was that the movie was a great... Vindication of their like, like, civil, uh, civil engineer corps or whatever, <laughs> yeah. Like, he, good... he saw it as like he did not a like a nationalist the... message, yeah. He's, yeah, he thought it was a national like, that shows how good ja- ja- uh, Japan is at handling disaster. <laughs> and like, <laughs> the movie is dripping with contempt for everything that happens, like, it is not subtle, it's not a message. And so, like, you have to wonder if, like, that. Abe's experience in the government was so similar that he saw the fact that Godzilla dies at the end as a success and that that this is part of the procedure as reasonable or it was just uh you know him trying to to change the narrative and and be like yeah no it's uh you, this is this is exactly this is this is what we should do if Godzilla attacks and then like you read that quote and you watch the movie and there is not a Godzilla movie, I think we've seen through this or one that I can think of, Peter, where Godzilla causes more destruction (laughs) basically because of human incompetence. Like we're going to talk about some of those sequences, but he he doesn't just trample some buildings (laughs) like he destroys in one fell swoop. Tokyo, the entire skyline (laughs) kills likely hundreds of thousands to not millions of people. And i watched this movie and said, yeah, this is what I imagine success would look like.
1: <laughs> like. The closest the closest that the movie gets to nationalized nationalism is that the movie is is distinctly critical of um the, the being under the yoke of international oppressors. There's a yeah. specific quote in it, um the post war extends forever. Like the idea is that like uh the the idea that um and I could see why nationalists could could identify with themselves in this, especially nationalists in a Japanese context. But like right wing nationalists is what I mean. Yeah, could I could, I, could uh, see, identify themselves in this because like the 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 view that Ano is taking is like, why is Japan still under? Like, why does it J- Japan uh, still? Have to live under this like military yoke of the United States. Why do we have to check everything with our international partners before we do everything? Why do we, why do we, why do we, why can't we we handle our own disasters? Yeah. And then, and then, um, the, and then the government has sort of like agreed to play little brother to the United States for so long that, um, Uh, they sort of adopt this this weak position in negotiations that like kind of binds their hands before the negotiations even start Yeah, they're willing
0: to let all of tokyo being destroyed because it'll have sympathy on the international scale and they'll help us rebuild
1: yeah like oh we'll get money we'll get funding to rebuild and like you know i think some of the people in the room are thinking well you know it would be nice to be the reconstruction prime minister right yeah um and then but like That's one, you know, that's that's, you know, sometimes political political standing um, doesn't neatly align with party. That same thing that I just said is also followed by the most bad faith, evil people in Japan that are on the right wing who want like Japan to return to like imperial fascism. And the reason they want the U.S. off their back is so that they can build like a expeditionary colonist force. And um it's good to remember those people exist in lots of countries. They exist everywhere. Yeah, um, and Japan is not exempt. More than from ever that we have. Well, not yes, more than ever. They're, they're, they're not exempt from the problem. More we every have. day would be the <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but but uh, you know. J- Uh, agreeing that a country should not be uh, under the the sway or as a satellite of a larger country, particularly like America just like sets up military bases wherever they like. They control the Japanese water however they like. And then local people get mad. And then the Japanese government sides with the United States military. Like you can be – a good person and still want uh, the Americans out of the Japanese business. And that's what this movie's perspective is. You would have to be reading this movie in bad faith to take it as a right-wing cause. Or a, uh, uh, we did a great job. <laughs> yes. Or, or, uh, man, you know, you just have to be dumb. I, it, yeah, it does seem like,
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, cause this quote was like, look, When I saw this movie, like, they they looked at all the options, they considered things, they checked in with their international partners, they didn't make hasty decisions. Like, who could, who has faced this sort of thing? Like, just just doing our best is good enough and everything else. And uh, there's so many lines that are just so obviously people who are again excusing excusing themselves before they've had to do any do to take any sort of stock or assessment into their actions, like the the thing and this happens in our government it happens to many people we probably all know in our real lives as well that idea of people immediately forgiving themselves for things that went terribly wrong or terrible things that they did because they've excused it in their head. There's no learning from it. There's no like th- that concept that two things can be true at the same time. You know, it's like it's a common <laughs> it's a co- like it's a constant Simpsons joke, right? Like it can be two things. And we just are so bad as a I think as a species of like being able to hold two thoughts that don't immediately align in our heads at the same time. Like that concept of We did have good intentions, but good intentions are fucking meaningless when we fucked it up this bad. And instead, it's like, well, good intentions means good things. And so even though the outcome wasn't good, we are good. And so we're just going to take no stock, not reconsider any of our actions and just keep trying to be good people doing our best. And meanwhile, like, you know, an entire nation is being leveled by a monster. Uh And like that, that is the like quintessential problem with uh with I think like I don't know, like this is probably hyperbole a little, but like the world as a whole. Everyone's so quick to say, I'm a good person with good intentions, and that will excuse anything that ever happens afterwards.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um the uh and uh people taking that at face value, right? Like Yep. Um, oh well, I believe they're a good person. Therefore, this action is judged in this like beautiful, special little terrarium that I. Yeah, lost like you tried your mind. best
0: and you failed. It's okay. You're a good person. It's like, well, maybe you didn't try. It their best or maybe who cares if they tried their best (laughs) all their ideas were bad
1: yeah we've i I, you know when you hear stuff when you're a kid you're like that's stupid and then you get older and you're like actually that's a pretty good aphorism um like the road to hell is paved in good the road to hell is paved in good intentions is something that like made no sense to me when i was five and i was like no if you're trying to be good you're good and what's cool is that when you have moral growth and ethical growth as a human being and you um manage to let your brain not be totally stunted um you can understand uh, that yeah. complexity. And I guess actually an, a uh, a comparison point to the point I was making earlier is like um, an isolationist view towards world policy in the U.S. So because the U.S. is like an inverse Japan and is like very much like trying to like uh, very much in international matters like try to... Um, uh, assert the will uh, on um, assert our will on other countries and uh, do these invasions that, you know, are politically convenient, right? Like they, they um, allow us to um, enact our political will outside of the country, uh, but maybe don't give us bad PR because it's like on a small scale and people don't notice that you drone strike to family. And the, the point is that, like isolationism uh, as a concept is like something that like people on the left and the people on the right can agree with. Um, And like pulling out of Afghanistan is something that like Trump and Biden agreed with on principle. It's just that uh, Trump had no fucking clue how to do it and agreed on a a crazy timetable uh, to do it with almost no pre-prep. Um, but he thought he was going to be president at the time, and he thought he'd just figure it out, right? And he knew he had a, a political uh, army to to back him up on that. And then Biden was stuck with this this uh, agreement to get the fuck out of of Afghanistan because he wanted to hold to that agreement. Um, and then it was kind of shitty. I mean, it wasn't like the up the disaster you'd hear about in Fox News, but it was kind of shitty. Like it was it was it was chaotic. It should not have been that chaotic after spending that long there. And like those are political opinions. that's, like. Shared with, I would never call Biden left wing, but he that, wanting to pull out of Afghanistan is certainly to the to the left of many of his uh, party peers. Yeah, um, and yet they, Trump and Biden, both agreed we needed to get the fuck out of there as soon as as soon as possible. It's just they the their basis behind their motivations and how they wanted to accomplish that uh, in the ideal scenario was completely different.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I mean. Yeah, intentions do matter in those cases too because like what what comes after. Those, those something as major as that doesn't exist in a vac- vacuum. So if your intention is to do it for new profit or something else or or you know, it does change at least like the action itself can still be good, but it might not change the fact that it will lead to bad actions or bad actors. Um I uh I don't think I have anything more from like an intro perspective. I'm really like I think we're both kind of chomping at the bit to get into the actual oh, yeah. movie because there's just so much to chew on and so much good stuff. Peter, one last time, are you ready to talk about Godzilla? Uh, uh, <laughs> Again, it's, it's uh, just Ray
1: Barone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's what Godzilla's roar sounds like, right? (laughs) I've been working on it for two months. Are you saying it's not good? Godzilla's getting all the credit. (laughs) (laughs) Raymond, you've got to calm down. I mean, Peter Boyle once played a monster. Uh, He was like this. Ah, ah, ah. Shit, that was kind of close to what he was like. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'll talk about Godzilla.
0: Sure. (laughs) that I um I do think a good like tagline. We don't do taglines anymore, alternate taglines, but this really is like Armando Anucci's Godzilla movie. Uh,
1: it is. Yeah. It is. Um it it's uh in the thick of it. The thick of it being coagulant for Godzilla's blood.
0: Yeah, it's like the death of uh Godzilla, I guess. Uh yeah. Or the death of whatever the fake prime minister's name is in this movie. <laughs>
1: uh, um, instead of instead of uh, Veep, it's just called Peem. What? Peem, Peem, prime minister. Oh, god.
0: <laughs> peem. What's, what's the What's the second in command to the prime minister called? Probably just assistant. So like Asp. I think it's a
1: uh, uh, yes. <laughs> As Peem. As Peem. I, th- I think it's vice vice. Per- a vice vice prime minister, vice prime minister. Means vice vice, <laughs> vice vice prime minister. Uh, we skipped vice. We went right to vice vice. Uh,
0: um,
1: what well, be beta minister, right? Uh, yeah. Sub prime minister. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I don't have anything
0: else. I want to move yeah, on. D-
1: d- Peter, d- d- Do you guys know how words work. Um, Peter, what happens? Words in words you might hear. What happens in Shin Godzilla? <laughs> Alright, so, uh, this, uh, we're just hanging out, Tokyo Bay, having a good time. I love how quickly um,
0: everything starts. They're
1: like, we <laughs> gotta, like,
0: Godzilla's gonna be, uh, stopped for a lot of this movie, so we're just gonna, we're gonna barrel towards the, the disaster.
1: Yeah, so uh, first we find an empty boat. <clears throat> I'm just going to jump to what that reveal is. There was a uh, sort of an ousted uh, outsider doctor who was studying Godzilla's movements um, who uh, and who discovered, I believe, the origins behind Godzilla. In this Oh, movie. yeah, so let me pause there. I've said something incorrect
0: for a lot of these movies. I remembered incorrectly that... This movie took 1954 Godzillas as canon, and this was like a – because that's how, you know, that's how every entry in the Millennium series kind of works. That's how Heisei works. Uh, But I was completely wrong. Uh, This is is its own thing and has no relationship to any of the other, including the original Godzilla movie.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I believe the origin of Godzilla is um, that – uh Japan or a Japanese conglomeration was um was uh <clears throat> polluting uh the ocean floor if i'm not mistaken it's nuclear waste it, that,
0: yeah it's uh, nuclear waste and there was a species that eventually became used to it and started eating it and one, one of those species is Godzilla. yeah and essentially and that they're they they have they're more dna than us and so it can it can evolve it, it it it's its own progenitor of its next incarnation it doesn't have to reproduce
1: it literally evolves within generations yep. um so the origin story is very much placing the blame on japan as a country yep um as opposed to um like the united states testing a bikini at bikini all. Um, or just sort of vague science-y stuff, like, oh, what has science done that we created a Godzilla?
0: Yeah, which matches exactly what, you know, Anno said this is about. Like, if if the original Godzilla is about threats to Japan from without, this movie is about threats to Japan from within.
1: Yes, Um, and that sort of Incompetence um, and uh, sort of unregulated, unfettered capitalism um, created uh, this massive beast that invades uh, Japanese waters. And uh, it immediately starts attacking um, boats within this canal, this this bridged canal. Yeah, just um, but at that it point, has- it's just a red stain with
0: like shit happening, right? Like you don't see a monster yet.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um There's like grainy video on YouTube of like is there a creature in this like weird storm. Yeah, and it's um it it, it cracks uh and compromises uh this underwater uh, um bridge. Yeah. Uh, this underwater uh, um tunnel. Um and that's really what gets uh the emergency response together is <clears throat> There's some sort of heat event, some sort of volcano. Something is happening. Everyone in the room is looking for someone else to blame. No one, uh, except for our lead character, um, think it might be a creature um, because our our lead character has done the research. Like, no, they already did their volcano study. They already did, like, you know, their their geological studies when they planted this this tunnel, like um, this channel. Um, They... uh, it has to be it has to be an animal in origin or at least that's a good theory for now everyone in the room kind of like disregards him because he's more junior and he's not understanding his political place he's not playing the political game the way it's meant to be which is it's not about right answers yeah it's about following procedure saving your face and saving the face of the people that sponsored you to get there because everybody yeah, no. has, um, has a, a direct manager, but they also have sort of like a sponsor. Like there's somebody in that decided to make you a cabinet member and you're make embarrassing them if you're not behaving according to uh, politeness and you're not deferring to more senior members. And you're deferring is, is a big word here, too, because it's not just like, all right, we're going to let this person speak first uh because they're more senior which has some logic to it right like you know you let the manager speak first or whatever um but it's that we're deferring them like as in like m- what my beliefs actually are don't matter as long as we follow proper procedure even if proper procedure will lead you inevitably to doom
0: well i you've keyed into the one of the most important things here which is i don't need right answers i need the right answer that that i want i want to be the right answer right like i i if, so in in the very beginning there's this discussion about once they realize it is a creature where they have all these people who are like telling the prime minister what's he what he wants to hear, which is that while there is a threat in the sea from this that they're working to contain and minimize um you know one one guy says hey it's it's not it's." It won't be able to come on land because its legs are too won't be able to support its weight. It would die instantly. And someone else explains why that's not true. And they have all these data points and stuff like that. And everyone yells at her because um, that's not an answer that he wants to go. He doesn't want to say there's a threat on land. He wants to say, you know, with some air of plausible deniability of like, this is what our best scientists are saying. There's no reason to worry about it coming on land. And like anything else, they're not interested in the evidence. They're not interested in warning the public. They're not interested in anything in good faith. They're just interested in what would be the best thing for me to be able to pursue or exist for as long as possible as that being the reality. And there was was this great article, Peter, which, you know, you and I both work in our day-to-day jobs in, like, corporate America. Um, And... uh, one thing they said, which I'm sure has some – some uh, recognition to uh, you know, jobs that you've had or people that you've worked with, is they had this like study that like the people who advance more are not the people who tend to be right or do the work or really – but it's the people that tell their bosses what they want to hear and it, and it fundamentally doesn't matter if they end up being wrong. So like if you're telling your boss like, hey – I don't think it's reasonable that we're going to make these projections this year for the following reasons and stuff like that. Um, and you end up being right for all the reasons and, you know, all the things that you could have done to prevent it missing your projections. Uh, no one wanted to take because they didn't want to believe that was the truth. Combined with the person who just says, not only are we going to hit our projections, we're going to double those projections. A year after that, you – even that, even though that other person didn't hit their projections, they're seen because they're going to go into that next year with. Well, this year we're going to quadruple, it and here's how we're going to do it. And and you're not seen seen as a soothsayer for telling them. Here's what we're not going to hit our projections unless we do the following. You're seen as the downer who never thinks that we can do. It. Like you are, you are basically rewarded for being uh, a, a fabulist and dishonest and telling people what they want to hear and you are punished for giving accurate assessments in the corporate world
1: yeah and and and, and people see that all the time right like yeah. the I, I see it i definitely see it in, in my line of work i've definitely seen it in my career i should say um i definitely it's definitely a concept that people can understand though because like the, the human connection to emotions is actually like <laughs> the, commu- communi- the human connection to truth is short. The human connection to emotions yeah. is long. Yeah. The person that makes you feel good um, has a longer hold on you than the person that tells you the truth. Yep. Right? Yeah. Um, and the and then the truth person just was like, "Well, that guy made me feel bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's a there's a grand number of, and, and this is true in any job I, in America, I, I think like pe- it, it gets over associated with like every person in government is like this in a, in a way that's pretty um shitty. Um, there's this idea that there's these sort of salary men, these people that come in, they sit down, they do a nondescript job. Uh, a few times a year, they fill out uh, the proper reports. They don't really create any value. They might support their team, like, you know, a few times a year, but largely, like, they're not trying to either improve the organization or, or rock the boat. They're also, like, not quite. Like doing a job, um, they're not quite doing anything, but they collect their their salary and they they go home and you know uh, they 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 make the right um, impressions uh, to not get fired and to you know pass their the reviews and such. And that's in all lines of work in America. Uh, the the particularly the right wing sort of approach is like everyone in government is like this. In Japan, they have this big problem with with the salary man idea in government because there's these these long standing institutions of This person was appointed by this person and therefore they have seniority and they're allowed to stick around. And like the way people are retired is like not necessarily based on competence. It's based on um, is the person that installed you still have still have the right political sway (laughs) Um, or did the person who's installed you? Did they also install someone else? Uh, who would protect all of that person's uh, political appointments. Like there's, there's these layers upon layers where like just are protecting, not just the incompetent, but like the, the yes men. It's something that like everybody on all sides of the political spectrum and in all parts of America could understand. But particularly if you've worked in government and you've worked in um, like a a big corporation where there's just like so many hierarchies and levels. And like every time they try and flatten things, you're like, Wait. So now I have three bosses. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> you'll, you understand that?
0: Yeah. Well, I and mean, this one is it's it's upended immediately and hilariously, right? Like the prime minister is giving a speech with the answer that he wanted that this monster cannot come on land, and as he's giving the speech, that is juxtaposed with um, uh, basically a canal being filled larger and larger with boats because this creature uh, is. Uh, is coming through the canal and like you know raising the level of the water and boats are just crashing into buildings. It's this great. Uh, all of the uh, the the and modeling is fantastic in this movie, which I'm sure we'll talk more about. But uh, like it is juxtaposed with this like huge disaster that's happening where they're. They're saying there's no threat to people on land as boats are crashing into buildings on land. And then, of course, before the speech is over, uh, the, the first incarnation of the Godzilla in this movie, which is kind of like a, uh, almost like a, fish
1: that has made its way to dry land it has big goofy googly eyes and no it has, arms. it's sort of and a tadpole kind yeah. of like, like uh, interim quality because it is an amphibious thing that isn't just, quite. Yeah it just sw- looks like it's a
0: big not- dum-dum just crashing forward.
1: <laughs> it, like it's probably a pretty good swimmer sure but it's got all these dumb appendages that are that yeah. are fucking it up right like its legs don't quite work well and then eventually it becomes you know cool. it eventually evolves to become cool. a thing that can come on land and, and, and rule right. Yeah uh, but yeah it by the end of the speech,
0: it's already on land crashing into buildings and he gets off the stage and it's like, I thought you told me Well, you made me look like an idiot. It's like you made yourself look like an idiot. But
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, the people that are saying the truth in the room are shushed and not rewarded uh, for being right. Worth noting. Yeah. Or like um, nuanced or complicated answers uh, are seen as. um are seen as useless because the public can't digest nuance yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. If, like so it's it's not even that like the, the prime minister is both making strategic okay so like if the prime minister were like a uh, a spokesperson it's like okay i understand that um you know you need to you need to communicate these issues in a way that doesn't in- involve panic and also like sometimes you need to dissolve issues down to like a few points right that makes sense Um, But you're the prime minister, you're also making huge strategic decisions that require nuance and they require like hard, uh, subjective understandings of truth and making a decision between two things that, you know, don't have an objective quality difference between the two of them. And like this prime minister is just this like, just bumbling in it, bumblingly uh, inept at um, commun- uh, at navigating those those sort of challenges because he relies on a group of sycophants to make all his decisions for him, and 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 we're in this position where our hero is this roguish outsider, which is very common in movies, right? Like we yeah. all we want to root for the the guy who breaks through the red tape and gets results, right? Like that's that. Um, but um, <laughs> like the fun thing about this movie versus say Lethal Weapon two. Um, which Lethal Weapon 2 originally was going to have Riggs die at the end. Um and because he he breaks the law to enact uh justice uh against the South African racist uh gold cougar and people with diplomatic immunity, whatever. Um okay, so um, What's this saying? So in lethal weapon two, like Riggs is doing something that is is illegal and roguish, but we understand his actions. But at the end of the movie, he was originally supposed to die because it was supposed to be like he has crossed a, a line in the sand and like, you know he's paying he's paying for blood with blood. And then the series was like, actually, we should make him live because we can make more money off of this. And then from that point forward, it ended up being a series about rewarding people doing illegal and and unruly things as opposed to um, a movie where that happens. Yeah. A series where. I
0: mean, but honestly, though, who is Joe Pesci going to annoy if he doesn't come back from part three?
1: Just (laughs) Murtaugh? Yeah. (laughs) Well, they, they fuck you with the cell phones. They fuck you with the cell phones. Uh, they gonna, fuck you in the drive through, Aaron. <laughs> I mean, I don't even remember a lot. They fuck you in the I, cleaners. I just say
0: fuck and I'll get it.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but like, okay, so we're used to those. I just picked that as an example, right? Because it's like the Lethal Weapon movies. It's like, you know, we kinda know, we kind of want the, the, the like roguish cop yeah. to go get the bad guys, even if he's breaking the rules. He does it at the end of the first movie as well. Um and uh, you know, I guess like most cop movies are kind of based on this movie. Yeah, well, yeah. Based on barely any cop Shows are about following the rules.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. The only way to yeah, support
1: yeah. the law is to constantly break it. Yeah. The I Want Your Badge and Gun speech is specifically about like somebody broke the rules. Yeah. Right. Um, you, you broke established order. You broke the rules. You broke the law. You did something that like means you can no longer be a cop. Whatever. Yeah. Um, and then the movies usually reward them for doing that behavior. Right? Yeah. Um, at least at least ethically.
0: Yeah. In well, that's the movie, thing in all those movies, right? They're like, I'll become a vigilante.
1: Yeah, and then they're exactly. welcome back to the force. Yeah, exactly, because they get results. I think there might um, be a lot of bad apples. What is interesting about this protagonist is he doesn't break the law. He actually follows he follows the law. What he does is he forms a, a like a research subunit on how to eliminate Godzilla, and. He brings in the outsiders and the people with nuance and people of understanding of how how complexity works, the people with actual answers. And he builds a flat system where um, the only rule is basically like um, like one of us will keep track of you. But like nobody has seniority over anybody like you are allowed to speak whenever you you have the truth in you. Like, let's go. And he's not breaking the law. What he's doing is building a functioning government within a non-functional government to make the non-functional government work. So he's building a a, a space where experts can work and speak. Sort of like a sort of, of like a I don't know order. what you call
0: it, like a deep state.
1: <laughs> he's building a deep state <laughs> in order to take down Godzilla. Um who, you know, He Godzilla had a a perfect land landing on the in Tokyo Bay. Yeah. Absolutely perfect. So you got to drain the swamp. Godzilla's at the bottom of it. (laughs) Drain the swamp. Yeah, he lives underwater. Like a biolante or something. Yeah. (laughs) Um but uh he he builds he builds like this this like research organization to be able to format and use the use the government bureaucracy against itself and that's what makes him a hero in this movie and that's why this movie is for a movie that has Godzilla is like it, the movie is like largely hopeless in many ways right like yeah Godzilla is Godzilla is so badass throughout this movie and literally un, until like the final moments you're like Godzilla might win like. <laughs> I don't I don't know if they're gonna win. I mean he did uh, kinda his-
0: win. I don't I mean I know they defeat him at the end and there's cheering, but it's also like wow, that's a lot of devastation.
1: <laughs> yeah. So let's walk through kind of like what happened. Yeah. So he 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 um th- at first this this uh he's not he hasn't formed this sort of shadow cover. He hasn't formed this uh, committee. Let's call them a committee um, to like analyze Godzilla yet. He's still working within the not only the system but also like within the the, the, the established "quote unquote" rules of the system as opposed to laws. Um, and Godzilla comes ashore and he does increasingly more devastation each time until one time and he keeps he getting he less goofy. It, he keeps getting less. He and is less so goofy. goofy. There was there was a
0: part where like. Peter like I think is like second to last incarnation where they're still using like the fucking uh the goofy eyes from uh everything everywhere all the time what would what he call mm-hmm. those mm-hmm. the like, googly eyes yeah. yeah I mean I get it they're fish eyes that's kind of what fish look like they put those on Godzilla and uh there was a when I first the first time I watched this cuz the almost to last form is like a reasonable facsimile of Godzilla and I'm like is this uh they're gonna make him look like a dum-dum the whole movie (laughs) like there's not a there's not a cool Godzilla
1: version but thankfully they yeah the last one is cool as shit uh yeah I uh yeah like the the escalation that they go from goofy little guy who's the scariest feature is the fact that his gills uh squeeze blood Squeeze blood oh it's so great it's so great there's a lot of blood in this movie I think the googly eyes, the googly eyes get some sort of meme, meme uh, quality. I think the googly eyes are unsettling because they do remind me of like those dead yeah. fish eyes, or like you know, like even like anglerfish kind of have these like these sort of like <laughs> like just open shocked eyes. Like, can you fucking believe that I'm this deep in the ocean? <laughs> um, like, a lot of undersea fish have these like. Wild eyes that uh, just just uh, they they don't they are not supposed to look human. They're supposed to look a little oddball. And then as the movie goes on, yeah, he gets more and more badass. And he grows a tail that is 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 his best tail yet. Oh, by He's I mean able, the
0: tail like goes over his head. It's a it's a great
1: tail. There's so many shots of that tail hitting things. So it used to be a tail that I believe I would I would say his ass was prehensile. <laughs> Sorry, his ass was was under his control. His tail wasn't necessarily prehensile. Damn, that like, ass I, is prehensile. <laughs> it's not the right use of the word, I guess. But like you know, he, <laughs> he had control over his ass, and his ass had a tail attached to it, so he could sw- he could swack it at people. Yeah. Um. and oh,
0: he had one, control over that ass.
1: In this one, his tail is like an independent limb. It, it's like a monkey, a monkey's tail. Yeah. Like, it's it's prehensile. Like he has control over it, <laughs> and um. That is that is a great development for Godzilla, especially as we get to the next part of the movie where the U.S. government steps in. Uh, they they uh, a young sort of like upstart in the U.S. government um, who has is connected out the wazoo. She's part Japanese, part American. Um, so she speaks the language, but she speaks sort of like a Japanglish. Is there, is there a better word than that? Yeah. Um, she, no. she speaks, she like does like a line in English and then a line in Japanese and then she'll do a line with, you know, like, you know, the, 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 language sort of mixed, um, in between. Um, so sort of like Japanglish. Um, and she, uh, she like is sort of, uh, coordinating with our lead character to build a, like. Good relationship with the U.S. government and the U.S. government is like only offering bombs, which is a running theme in all the Godzilla movies, right? Yeah. And uh, the U.S. government. So they try doing a formal Godzilla, old Godzilla movie ass attack on Godzilla with tanks, airplanes, helicopters, yada, yada, and Godzilla fucks all of them up. And then uh, the U.S. is like, all right, we're going to drop this. Like, I don't know if it's supposed to be like the Tsar Bomba or if it's like it's it's a conventional weapon. It's not a nuclear weapon, but it's just this massive fucking like um, conventional bomb. And Godzilla bends over, leans over and he's like, it, they're like, oh, yeah, that fucked him up pretty good. And then he turns uh, Godzilla blue um, and has a complete laser fire breath nuclear meltdown in Tokyo obliterating it in, in like a sequence that is like long like obliterating district after district after district um and re- reducing Tokyo to smoke smoldering rubble um in sort of a CGI practical mix that's like very impressive Um, in a scale, as you said, Aaron, in a scale that feels bigger than they've ever had before.
0: Yeah, it, it is, um, the, the tale's great. The kind of like, there's one of the things the scientists spend so much time doing is kind of like unraveling. And again, I, I don't understand all the, the nitty gritty, like science that feels somewhat on, uh, potentially in the, the realm of like possibility but like he, it's got 8th dimensional DNA and so it can do all these things and that really like not that I need a huge explanation for like a, a creature that always has had laser breath but like it allows for his flame breath to be mixed with laser breath to be mixed with these like like uh lasers that shoot out of his spine as well and it just feels like you know this completely unstoppable destruction machine that I think like the the one thing this movie gets really well done. Like I I think you're right. Like the goofy eyes and the fish eyes has a memeable quality. It does look like this is kind of a goofy <laughs> this is Godzilla, the cool dude. This is this is some goofy shit for the king of the monsters and and stuff like that. But what it does serve is like. This movie has absolutely no interest in anthropomorphizing or humanizing Godzilla, right? Yeah. Zero and, and interest. It is just a alien bug fish monster yeah. who is just, you know, essentially uh, unknowable to to humans and humans constantly ascribe motivation or intent or this should work based on what we know in ways that are – hilariously destructive.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it's, it, you're right. And the googly eyes are almost sort of making fun of the audience for wanting Godzilla to be a cuddly little guy again. Um Because he doesn't have those big doughy dog, dog eyes that like, even in the scariest suits would usually have these just like moments of pathos where you're just like, he is just an animal. And this, he is a force of nature. And when he has that freak out moment, you're like, oh, he's unforgivable. Like, this is this is a true like it's basically <laughs> it's not literally like this, but it's literally like he he he's dropped a small scale nuke on Tokyo already, like just by his his sheer existence. Right. Um, and he the fact that he's so unidentifiable and so like rapidly destructive is uh, a big strength of the movie, I think, because we've gotten many, many Godzilla movies that have done this sort of like back and forth. We actually haven't had that many where Godzilla is just this scary fuck. Yeah. There's I think there's maybe 4 in the whole series where I would say like Godzilla is like almost entirely scary uh almost in and and in the, and they actually pull it off.
0: Yeah, I mean that's where this shares this shares so much uh DNA with the original but intentionally so. Uh but the 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 idea of like Godzilla not being present for all of it and when he does he's just like, you know, if you know, tying it back to the original movie, that was uh, you know, Honda's attempt to show an unthinkable unprocessable disaster in a in a monster right so th- it's never cool it's always destructive we talked about these amazing like terrifying shots of like Tokyo burning with flames of these models in the foreground or the and the background with Godzilla in the middle and like that is really reflected here like Godzilla is a terrifying uh Creature that brings a level of destruction that is not just, like, devastating for Tokyo or the city, but it's devastating compared to every other version of this that we've seen as Godzilla watchers. Like, he destroys buildings. He doesn't level cities. And he is leveling a city in 30 seconds in this movie. And then after the city's leveled, he's setting the whole fucking thing on fire. And... There's these great shots of the entire city like on a scale that would be unimaginable from a effect perspective in um in nineteen fifty fours Godzilla you're getting those same type of shots of the city burning, but the scale is just gigantic compared to kind of this like, you know, what would probably be like three silhouetted sil- city blocks on top of each other that was all burning. And again, that's not to take away from 54. It's incredibly effective scenes and terrifying scenes but like he's doing the same thing on this even more massive scale and this unprecedented level of destruction. So like that type of like fear of like um, you know, that kind of fear of just like Oh my God! this is like unfixable. This is unsolvable. This isn't like Godzilla kicked a train and a few people died, which would of course be terrifying in in real life. but this is like the city's gone, and it's one of the biggest cities in the world and so like that level of fear I think this this movie is only comparable to the original and like in like how
1: devastating those scenes are. The goal, the goal when you're watching this is to sort of um, take the creature that you may have. Uh, uh, people have a lot of memories of Godzilla, right? Like they have a they have a lot of split yeah. memories of it. Some of these, some of these people that are watching the movie, maybe fifty, and grew up with the silly, goofy Showa movies, right? Like, um, like you're dealing with an audience where you have no fucking clue what their entry point to the series was, how much of it is the sort of cartoony, uh, lighter Godzilla, and how much of it was uh, the later, more terrifying Godzilla. And uh, to sort of just, like, set that off right away and to have the movie be about people um, is draws a, a really startling contrast in a way that, like, I think that these movies don't usually do. And and the one thing that they do that is really connects you to the original... Is that it is about smart experts trying to find practical solutions for a problem. Yep. Um, And like in the... So let's... let's, Let me touch on a few different touch points. Yeah. So in the original movie, largely um, the government is purely an enabler of the smart people doing smart things, right? There's a few moments in the early in the movie where people just want answers about their lost family, but... It's not. It's not. They're not getting in the way. They're not trying to kill the scientists. They're not. People aren't even. People aren't even really like protesting. In this movie, there's people that are literally protesting. Like, don't kill. Don't kill Godzilla. Right. Um, it's a very brief shot, but it. It's in the movie, um, which I think is sort of like Ano showing off, like. <laughs> Japan is a diverse country full of a lot of different people. Like, there's no such thing as monoculture in Japan. Japan does not unify behind one thing peaceably. Like, there's a lot of different people, with a lot of different opinions. There's also a lot of people that who who are in positions of power and yet buck the responsibility of power. And then let's jump to the Heisei movies, which I think are the most movies that a, a nationalist could so could most uh, agree with, <clears throat> because the Heisei movies, as we've discussed, are full of. Cool military tech and a competent Japanese government. Like that's where the super X came along where it's like, we built a ship that's pretty competent, competent and knocking Godzilla on his ass, like over and over again in different manner. And like, um, the, and the, the Japanese government is largely just like helpful and enabling. And then it's outside forces that will fuck them up in those movies, if anyone. Right. Um, and then there's a scene in the, uh, believe it's return of godzilla where the prime minister goes i was hoping to to finish my term without incident yeah and you and i both laughed at that line it seemed like it was implying that for the rest of the movie he was gonna be a shit heel who's trying to bury the godzilla problem and like tuck responsibility right instead he immediately becomes helpful he becomes like a powerful a powerful ally to the military and the common people of japan and trying to get them evacuated um and move and th- so the high state movies i think have the greatest claim to fame of any of these being nationalist right yeah um,
0: so that sometimes very like they were very critically uh, uh, scolded for it
1: <laughs> yeah 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 and yeah and, and like having a battle where Japanese soldiers win the war like right or, or now, uh, uh, versus, yeah well it's the versus King Ghidorah. remember
0: the whole thing is like hey and like we bought Africa and the rest of the world's trying to keep us down yeah so don't you buy def- other
1: continents yeah, maybe to- especially not one specific continent. Uh, they say Australia too. Yeah, <laughs> that was just you know, that was just that. Um, we
0: only buy a continents. You didn't <laughs> mention Antarctica. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, like uh, they're just they're just trying to bury that in the in the in the, in, uh, the Australia news. Yeah, um, but yes, so the. So, in that point, you know, like the governments have been were fairly competent, they were backing up the people what I think that that anno was basically like he reacted to these movies, and he was like, "If we actually try to get this done today, like we would there'd be so much infighting like Godzilla would be just as dangerous as the bureaucracy, yeah,
0: well, yeah, like um." Yeah. I mean, that's what people say a lot, right, wrong or otherwise, around like the United States posts like the 50s, right? Like if theoretically, like whether it's FDR's like New Deal or whether it's the mobilization against Hitler or something, you know, obviously, the United States gives itself way more credit for than uh, it deserves. But that idea of like, you know, theoretically, if all of our forces in the government and every, you know, it was like. Motivated to actually solve our problems, there we probably have a lot more problems solved, but they're they're not um and so it's uh how can you how can you solve the little problems how can you solve the big problems and little problems also continue to elude us like we're constantly shaving a hundred thousand dollars off of p b s because we're like, yeah we're, can't take money from the military, <laughs> shouldn't take money from social security and medicare i don't know p b s Take your
1: shows to HBO. I like it. It's it's dumb. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a uh, it's very dumb. And we talk about the show all the time. How P- Americans have mismatched priorities. Yeah. But um, it's uh, you know, it's comforting to see that other countries also. <laughs> Yeah, and I've, that, I've, it, I've it actually taken care of people. I've, like, yeah, national incompetence is
0: very frustrating. Global incompetence is very comforting.
1: <laughs> you know, then it's just human nature. Like, we're just doomed to fail oh, yeah. societies, you know? It's not an America problem. It's a, we need a couple hundred thousand more years of evolution, maybe. Yeah. So, we get our, our committee together. Yeah. Our committee is is immediately competent. It's coming up with solutions. They're working together. There's, like, a, a few little inner sparring matches between like members, and they sort it out like fucking adults. Like, one of them suggests, uh, I forget, uh, it's a woman, so I think there's some sort of gender coding piece here. I mean, there has um, to be. They
0: have that whole fucking pan around that first like meeting room, and it's like, like all. Uh, men in the same suits between the ages of 30 and 40 and it goes over like 20 faces before it gets to like a woman.
1: Well, yeah, like I I, I was going to start writing down character names in this because they flash on screen and it becomes almost a joke, I think. Maybe a hundred percent. I mean,
0: every single person that you could not possibly keep track of character names. They have a guy for a sentence and then it says he's the, you know, secretary department
1: like... It is supposed it's a to be right? It's a hundred percent a joke. Because, like, even like The Irishman has a couple jokes like this, where they're like they're talking about the different connections between the people and how complicated this shit is, like between the various organizations and the Teamsters and yada yada. But like, even The Irishman doesn't do this for the entire three and a half hour <laughs> I of time. Just this a random guy, yeah, random guy who says like, "Don't build that
0: bridge here." They're like, you know, uh, I, I think the joke is that it's. How many different people, like, exist with these titles? Because everyone has their title on screen. It, like, yeah, I think that's the joke.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's There's a, a million people that are all, quote-unquote, specialists, but they're all bucking responsibility, trading conference rooms. And uh, the people that actually are, like, pushing forward some sort of theory to investigate are, are, are kind of shucked aside. So – um You know, like, it makes sense for some of them to worry about legal precedent and, like, how they can react to the UN and stuff like that. You know, that as the movie goes on, like, because of this committee, the government seems to become a better version of itself. Like, even the incompetents are sort of made competent. So, Godzilla kills the first prime minister.
0: Yeah, and and his attack on Tokyo, which is, like, the best attack. I feel comfortable saying it's the best, like... This city destruction scene in any Godzilla movie, including the MonsterVerse, right? Like the, he he is like igniting the whole city in these enormous flames. The scene I've kind of alluded to a few times is he has a his flame breath can go to like a pinpoint laser, and he does this thing where he you know lasers it's light it goes on for theoretically ever, but he so he does that like he basically turns his head with the laser and it chops down every building <laughs> like every building gets cut down yeah. and collapses it is uh just enormous the scale of putting that together and of course
1: it's all like models it's amazing it's 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 fantastic looking and it and it seems to never add in a way that's like really trying to instill a sense of doom in you that i, I very much reminded me of evangelion
0: and yeah and then after he cuts down every like, building he blows the fire breath which explodes to every point on the map yeah, yeah, And that kills the prime minister Who does not flee
1: No, no he yeah. does flee he goes in, the helicopter. He's in a helicopter he, yep. He's in a helicopter he just doesn't Flee in time yeah. or whatever because he's worried about Because that's the other flow, thing they start down. dropping
0: bombs on him And he has laser spines that Destroy all the bombs and, and all the airplanes In the sky
1: yeah. So this is the most dire moment in the movie, yeah. where like the most people are dead. It's the most hopeless. The most the moment that most reminds me of Evangelion. This energy of just like, oh, we're fucked. Yeah. I guess these are these are the truly the final days. Um, and there's limited resources. A dead prime minister. The <clears throat> the um, prime minister's replacement, the temporary replacement, just until they can have an election, is uh, um, like an old company man. By, Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. He's introduced. Uh, just sort of you know, nodding solemnly in a meeting. And then he complains about his noodles being soggy. Yeah, so, Cause I think the meeting went on. So Well, long. yeah,
0: they, they talk about these things are like the destruction's untold. We lost the prime minister. You'll obviously have this role to this. And he, and then, yeah, they leave the room and he goes, this is a disaster. My noodles are soggy. <laughs> and the,
1: the, 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 point of the movie at this point yeah. is they take this guy who's introduced as even dumber than the previous guy. Yeah. And by the end, because of, because of our hero, by the end, even this guy is a hero. Yep. This complete nincompoop. And the uh, we're navigating a lot of challenges now. So the international audience is stepping in. They're saying – Well, they're you know, saying just
0: let us take Godzilla, let your city be destroyed, and we'll rebuild it for you. Because at this point, like, we don't trust Japan to deal with this. Like, you have to let the
1: Americans – Come in and bomb it to shit. Take what's Strapotherm- left. Drop a thermonuclear yeah. weapon yeah. on Japan, which would be whatever a hundred or on one hundred and fifty times yeah. bigger than yes than um, the uh, Hiroshima or Nagasaki yeah. bombs, right? Yeah. Um, but
0: they'll get funds. They'll get international sympathy, and because there's a lot of conversation about how right now, by not blowing him up with a nuclear weapon, that people are getting angry at Japan for not doing the right thing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's fan, it's it's fantastic it's fantastic. It's also relatable too, like this this um sort of like well Can precedent deliver us? Oh, so Um, We have a process for getting us through these things that we've been following for forever. And the process becomes a religion. So
0: I'm going to use this to put a pin on some of my favorite notes. There's so many good lines about how like every decision they're making is about expediency or public opinion or stuff like that. So I'm going to run through a few as long as we're here. Um, So first, obviously, like they can't one of the things they say, like, so how are we going to stop it? And they're like, stop it. We haven't even figured out what department's responsible for this yet. Like, like that is their number one priority when it first emerges. The idea of whatever they say in that first speech needs to calm people combined with the juxtaposition of boats erupting out of the sea. Like, you – there's not a speech that's going to calm people when that's on the news, but like that's what they're focused on not calming incompetency, but calming if we find the right words, the right propaganda tools, people will stop getting angry at us. Um, they note after the first attack that, uh, even though there's been devastating losses and we don't know what this is, that Japan is back to work and the stock exchange is still open, uh, which is like, especially in a post-COVID era, Peter just feels like just. Resident in a way that I don't think we could have imagined at how much our country uh, and many other countries in the world were, like, fucking Godzilla attacking. They still want to note, hey, trading's still happening, capitalism's still happening, rich people have, still have access to get uh, even richer. Um, it hasn't slowed down despite the fact that, yeah, a giant monster no one's ever seen before has just uh, stampeded through there. Um that, oh, there's a, there's a group of these, like, uh, labor, uh, these, these people who are setting up all their different stuff to monitor Godzilla, but then there's a shift change. And so every, and a bunch of new people come in that are not prepared to do any of the, any of the actual work, uh, which is great. Uh, and then, um, one of the reasons this gets back to where we're just at one of the reasons they say that, that uh, the, the the kind of the bad actors in Japan are saying, like, hey, if we don't drop a bomb and destroy Tokyo, um, we need to do something to stop all of our stocks and our currency from dropping because we're going to be so badly in debt if we can't turn that around quickly,
1: yeah, yeah, and. <laughs> <laughs> like
0: they, i could have written down 30 more of these like little lines like that but it's it's all like the the idea that like an actual motivation around dropping a thermonuclear bomb in one of the biggest cities in the world could be like we have to reverse the st- our stocks and currency falling quickly is like again seems ridiculous even in 2016 it feels like you know extend it, the sense are it it doesn't feel ridiculous post COVID. And I likely, I think we'd all say that that's an, uh, like, I was myself and a lot of other people that believed there was, like, some level of guardrails on when we would recognize that, like, human life has to come before capitalism. And, like, I don't know at least in the last 2 years I think that that the idea of being willing, willing to sacrifice millions of people that they even say they're not going to be able to evacuate in time to change uh uh the the country's like financial position is extraordinarily realistic.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 coming back to like we were making jokes about like oh well if, if ever every government is this incompetent you know maybe it's comforting. Um I do kind of, like, we come back to that, that sort of joke we were making, which is, like, maybe it is human nature to just, like, so thoroughly devalue the human experience in favor of, like, pure greed. Yeah. <laughs> like, maybe it's, like, programmed into us. Um in a way that, like, I is is very existentially terrifying, yeah. right? Which is why, like, why this movie is so good at bringing us into the trough, and then it comes out in a very hopeful ending. Where by the end of the the hopeful ending, I was like, oh, maybe mankind can persevere. Like, maybe maybe the system can be broken open, um, and it, it, if um, the proper the proper scenario does it right. Um, the problem is. Uh, that makes me sound like an accelerationist. <laughs> um, so the
0: you're again, a recognizing you know. a problemist and hoping that we can do something.
1: Yeah, but uh, the, there's a there's a point here where the U S. is like very much stepping in, um, and and they're sort of partners, but sort of like they're, they're the U S. is kind of the U N. right? Yeah. Um. So the, the the idea is almost like the U N. has voted and they've decided we got it. We got a nuke. The monster um, and the U.S. is, is behind closed doors being like, well, if you have a plan B, like, let's go with your plan B. But like, you know, we're dropping the bomb after that period. So after some negotiations with this committee who's like working their way up the chain and is like now directly negotiating with the prime minister of Japan, the interim prime minister of Japan. They come up with this solution, which is a uh, with the help of uh, this design, this like tessellation design um, from this this doctor who was studying Godzilla, they come up with this coagulant, so they've decided that Godzilla this is sort of like a, a continuing the thread from a, what was it um, um, Destroya, where Godzilla himself becomes like a nuclear reactor um. Sort of continuing on that, but they're saying, like, if Godzilla's nuclear reactor, his body is producing some sort of coolant to keep him cool. Again, touching on the Fukushima thing. Yeah. Like, seawater was supposed to be, you know, helping cool uh, the plant down. Um, the Tsunami was an aggressor, but, like, really it was incompetence. Um, and uh, the... Um, the 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 Fukushima disaster, there that like they it's directly conjuring that where it's like but okay so we want this thing to like shut down how do we how do we get it and we're like well we can coagulate his blood which is like allowing him to operate which will slow him down to the point that he'll just freeze solid like yeah. he'll just he'll just stop dead um, because the nuclear reactor will have been the, the the activity within the nuclear reactor will have been ceased. Um, we can stop the nuclear fission that powers him and provides him with such immense energy. Right. Um, so they coordinate nuts and bolts resources to come up with multiple teams of tanker crews to, uh, build these apparatus so that they can coordinate an attack on Godzilla and coagulate his blood. And the end of the movie is this climax of, it's almost like, it's almost like the end of an oceans 11 movie. Um, is the closest corollary I can come up with, which is like this plan has been put into fruition. And now the mastermind of the plan has all the relationships he's built up, all the, the time that he's, he's gathered every all the little elements and resources that he's gathered come together to knock Godzilla on his ass long enough to put this coagulant in his mouth to slow him down. And in a very feels like a very ano move, he wipes out the first set of, um, uh, you know, workers yeah. that are pumping him full of the coagulant. Um, he 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 knocks that he he blows them up, yeah. and then the second crew comes in. This this is these are manned machines. Yeah, like people die. Yeah, and he has to like sort of like just wipe the tears from his eyes and just move on to crew two. And crew two gets in there and completes the job. And right when you think crew two is going to get wiped out, Godzilla freezes solid. Um, and he's frozen solid, and we he uh, the our main character reconnects with um, the American uh, sort of diplomat dash military contact, and they're both kind of saying, like, you know, we can turn this into a political career, like, we're the ones that stopped Godzilla, like, we can we can, like, you could be PM and I could be the president, and like, we can (laughs) you know, we can uh, we can we can figure this out together, and um that's why I think the movie is, that's one of the things that I think is so interesting about the movie is, like, ultimately, <clears throat> like, these people are not, like, hanging up their hats and being like, I hate the government. At the end of the movie, they're like, we, met, we, we are made, the, we're the government work. Yeah. We made the government work. And, you know, you can call that sort of West Wing style idealism or you can call that, like, you know, like, in, an inspiring call to action. But, like, I'm going to choose at this time, especially in the course of Godzilla movies to take it as the latter. sort of pushing the final thoughts. Like, um, I'm going to take it as the latter. I'm, I'm going to take it as like a movie. That's like about like, so many of these Godzilla movies are just about like, almost like the, the humans are almost like either f- they're, they're like representations of what humanity is, the various facets of humanity. But like largely humans are like, um, just either inept or highly competent and there's like kind of nothing in between and this is like a movie truly about human nature and like what it would take for the the human institutions to face a cataclysmic threat on this scale yeah and like sure it's a movie about sure it's a movie about the fukushima disaster it could also be a movie that applies to global warming because global warming is going to require rule breaking iconoclastic thinking in order to counteract. Yeah. Right. Like it's, it's going to require, um, solutions that piss off people within your own party because that's just not how things are done. It's going to require, um, uh, solutions that break norms of American policy because it's a threat unlike anything we've ever faced before. And like, it's a threat unlike the, the modern world has faced before. Um, and like this movie is like is very much like in a time of like hopelessness it was like weirdly comforting to have something that's so willing to ad- admit that the hopelessness of a situation and then find like sort of a practical what could be argued as boring i guess if you're like you're just like completely disconnected from the world maybe um solution to these problems and what a way to end the series and bring the series full circle because the the original movies were was about sort of like these I, these iconoclastic uh this iconoclastic you know like uh scientist that's willing to willing to make this massive ethical choice right and as the movies went on, we're full of, like, these heroes that were just like, I'm going to, you know, I, I know exactly what I need to do. My conscience is clear. Let's go. This is a movie that's, like, actually about humans. <laughs> it's not about um, adventure archetypes. It's about literally, like, human beings and the things that drive human beings and the things that, like make us human and in that sense it's like a perfect contrast to this monstrous godzilla who is who, who's a stand-in for every problem that's like bigger than we could possibly imagine right yeah I think that's
0: that that is a good way to look at this movie, and you know I' said this is kind of like armando Anucci's um Godzilla but but why it's actually not that is that the Armando Anucci version of this that hyper competent uh, splinter cell who was willing to upend norms and do whatever it takes to solve the impending disaster in Anucci's version, they would end up locked in a basement somewhere. While, you know, <laughs> yeah. un, unable to affect change, right? Like this, uh, Anno is, you know, sometimes an optimist and sometimes not, which is what we talked about so much on the Evangelion episodes where he essentially made two finales to his show. <laughs> one when he was in a, a good place somewhat and one when he was not in a good place. And, um, and I, and I think, uh, you know one where it was about like I just feel like I need human connection and one where he was ready to watch the world burn a little bit and so you have two finales to that show one very hopeful and one very not so hopeful um mm-hmm. and in in some ways we get that a little bit in this movie right like the the people who are hyper confident not uh, were able to triumph at the end not without what i assume is the biggest death toll of any Godzilla movie uh taking place um with the level of destruction done to to Tokyo and just how many people die. Um, and, you know, there's a – I think there's an optimistic way to view it or there's that idea of do these people become part of a system that they already know they are, cannot exist in in concert with? Like, you know, that uh, – the, the, how, how much is the – you know, the myth of like taking over as the ruler of a corrupt system that does the system corrupt you or do you affect change? At the end of the day, Peter, you're right. Like we, we're, I'm not an accelerationist. You're, I know you're not an accelerationist either. Like you can't blow up a system with with without recognizing an explosion causes real harm. So what within the system can you change, ignore, move forward with? And actually, ultimately what you need to ignore is less The systems itself, which have some mechanisms for correction, but ignore, like, all the things that they're primarily focused on. I can't tell people that this thing will go on land and get them off land. I can't tell people the truth about what's going on because it'll have panic. And if there's panic, that will be bad for stocks and money and all those sort of things. And fundamentally, what this movie needed from the beginning is – that prime minister to go on TV and say, we don't know what's going to happen. here's And spend all that time that they spent worrying on what's the message that will get the public to calm down, won't affect my poll, poll numbers, won't affect our pocketbooks, and spend all that energy on how do we understand this thing more so that we can eventually find a solution that will actually help people. And like, that's fundamentally like what our country Japan every country needs to do and until we figure out a way to not uh, incentivize all the wrong action from people in those situations whether it's uh, f- to get you know financial uh, fin- uh good a good financial uh, uh situation money or whether it's to just avoid blame or People being angry at you or getting fired and finding a new job. Until we move past that, like, we, we're we not, we're, we're gonna get the Armando and Uchi version of Shin Godzilla. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I do think that's a perfect way to wrap up. I don't want to just move on just yet. I don't want to spend a ton of time on this. But, Peter, you just watched about, like, 15 Godzilla movies. 15, 20? You watched a lot of Godzilla movies.
1: Not all of them. You're not there yet. But I, I, you're about halfway there probably at this point. You have created a scenario where I'm like, why didn't Aaron show me that one? Does that one suck? <laughs> I mean, all Godzilla movies besides the 1998
0: one are worth watching they all have got selena which is uh the best you can hope for
1: for any movie. yeah i've got my i've got my list of like ones we skipped over um like uh queued up especially some of the showa ones like that we skipped over i was like you know I probably should see Godzilla versus Mothra. Like I probably yeah, it's should good. see. You know. I mean they're all good. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um but uh the two the two right now are the one that right now that I'm like wait why didn't we watch that was I do want to watch more of the Heisei era. Oh yeah, uh, you should definitely watch that Mothra. And I mean and
0: uh Space Godzilla sucks, but it's still kind of fun like to uh that's a fun series to watch all the way through. So yeah, I guess you know, Peter, I, I shared so much of, like, how much I love Godzilla, why I love Godzilla at the beginning of this. Ten episodes later, I guess I'd like to, uh, you know, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to hear, A, where did you land on, like, what was your favorite series? Because that was part of it. And you can't say Reiwa because it, that's just Shin Godzilla. Sorry. That's all That's all hits and no misses. Um, but also just, like, you know, I think you were... We've talked about this a little bit at the halfway point, I think, when I when we were piling on more episodes because you were into it. But I think you – and I, I don't blame you. Like our Star Trek sidecast, I think you jumped into this month less as a fully enthusiastic participant. I don't mean to say that you weren't enthusiastic about doing it, but more of like a – sure, I've had my cake at different times on our – podcast i'm gonna let aaron have this one and hopefully i don't hate it and so yeah i i know that's obviously not where you ended up after all this but i would like to hear like i guess a little bit yeah just where after after all this godzilla stuff over the last you know two and a half months what what are you feeling about the month the guy the man the myth the legend
1: yeah, I feel like I feel like you did a really great job uh, reintroducing me to a character that uh, I was fond of, but like had largely no understanding of the different eras and how the different eras fit into one another and how his image evolved over time or or uh, rebooted over time. Um, I would say like I went through and I ranked every Godzilla movie I've seen because um, I kind of anticipated this question. If I remove the original Godzilla from contention, because it's my favorite you remove Shin Godzilla from contention because it's a one movie series. Heisei actually ended up being the series that I like most, most connected with, which isn't that surprising because it's the 80s style one. But it's a lot of that is because of Destoroyah. Destoroyah is so fantastic. Um, it, 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 I really connected with Destoroyah on every single yeah. level. But the thing is, like, if we're talking, like, so that and, and Biolante are in my my you know my top. My my top five. Um but if you're counting like the most if we're counting the original Godzilla and we're talking the most movies that I like loved loved in the original series, like Showa wins because Shoah had the Mecha Godzilla movies, it had Godzilla vs. Hetera, it has the original movie. Um like Invasion uh, of the Astro Monster, which I think you like. Invasion of the Astro Monster, which is fantastic. Yeah, I think the only one like, like you didn't like,
0: which I, which is considered again one of the goofy, silly ones. You, you haven't got to. I think, I think you're you didn't like Guy which is again understandable. I don't think you hated it, but like I do think it's one of those things where if you saw if you went through and saw Megalon and Son of Godzilla and versus Ibara and like. I think you'd be like, okay, I see what Aaron was saying, that this is the best of that type of movie.
1: Yeah, the one I like least that we watched so far um, is uh, so we didn't do Godzilla 98, but that's obviously bottom of the stack um, is King Kong versus Godzilla, the original. Yeah, which that's that's. That's bottom of my stack. Like I like two, th- I like approximately two things in that movie, and one is ironic. Yeah, what's fun- so funny
0: about that is that at one point that was one of the two other besides the original show movies I was going to uh, show you. Um, I, it took us that long. I know. To get I to figured to I had to Showa to, versus High Sap. I, I had to do it. Um, but. uh, Because, but, because I have so much nostalgia, like, that was the first Godzilla, or, yeah, Godzilla movie I'd ever seen, so I had so much nostalgia wrapped up in that movie, I will say, having revisited for the first time in a long time, where I need to redo my Godzilla rankings, because I have it very high on my list, and it would probably be middle of the pack, even though I love it from a nostalgia standpoint, because I, I, I I did key it, like, I did understand some of, like, oh, this isn't as good for me, (laughs) like, like yeah, if this is the first time you've ever been exposed to, to uh, like a giant uh, dinosaur fighting King Kong, and you're eight, this is probably amazing. But but yeah, like it does it does show its seams and its like lack of concept besides Godzilla versus King besides just Godzilla versus King Kong in a way that like isn't as much fun as some of the or interesting as some of the the other show movies.
1: Yeah, yeah. And like so overall my 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 the thing that I, I've most enjoyed about this series is that like I've got to understand kind of um blockbuster filmmaking or spectacle filmmaking from a different era and I feel like it helped inform especially walking through it sort of chronologically, um, not stopping at every movie, but chronologically I got to inform like spectacle filmmaking over the years and how things have changed for the better and for the worse yeah um in in, in a way that I uh I think is is uh, experience that's not replaceable right like um it, it uh understanding also that like showa the show Godzilla movies were not these like puritanical objects that, uh, obj- objects that were protected by this like a group of monks on a mountain who were approving scripts, right? They were made to adjust to the standards of the time, just like they're made in America. Um, Is, is fascinating to me and the ways they drew the line and the ways that they uh, tried to expand the genre and the ways they would bring in these kooky outsider directors to, you know, throw, throw their vision on the screen, like with Godzilla versus Hedera or, or Shin Godzilla, you know, uh, uh, both movies I love, but one that uh, made no money and one made that a lot of money (laughs) respectively. Um, spectacle filmmaking, getting to view spectacle filmmaking from this position has been a great experience and it's been super fun to get to do it with you, buddy.
0: Yeah. uh, Yeah. it, It was a blast for me too. And also I said at the beginning, like I hadn't seen a lot of these movies since junior high, high school. And so, and I, you know, I had that criterion set. It was, There was a part of me that wondered – you know, anytime you go back to something that, like, you were kind of obsessed with and loved that much, like, is this going to have the same pull? And it was so much fun that, like – especially in the early going when we were, like, kept adding more Showa movies and then watching things that we didn't technically cover, but we both watched them. And then uh, I was even – I even watched, like, a few Ishiro Honda, like – tangentially related movies like I saw Rodan for the first time and Antagon and um, King Kong Escapes and then I watched a few other show movies that uh, we didn't even talk about and a couple Heisei movies that I hadn't watched for a long time like that, that same power that when I first saw Godzilla movies and got obsessed with them when I was like 13 or 14, it immediately grabbed hold of me and not in a way that like you're watching fucking Thundercats or some shit. You're like, Oh yeah, these guys are cool. This is not fun to watch anymore as an adult because I'm an adult now. And this is not interesting. The fact that that absolutely didn't happen with the Godzilla series. And even now I could go, I'm like, I still didn't watch that. I didn't watch War of the Gargantuans. and I didn't watch, you know, uh, these other, some of the other Honda movies. And, yeah, I wouldn't mind revisiting, like, you know, Sonic Godzilla, or some of the, these other ones. Like, the fact that I'm still thinking that after two and a half months, uh, I think it just shows that, like, Godzilla rules and uh, and not watching Godzilla drools. And you should watch it. But speaking of that, Peter, we're, we finally have, we mentioned this at the beginning of last Uh, last week's episode just to kind of set up what we're doing for our most holy exciting month of the year but Spooktober is officially kicking off here at We Love to Watch next week Uh, what are we going to do so next week uh, we're not going to cover a movie you're going to hear our annual kickoff episode Peter and I will definitely be there will there be guests will there be ghouls I don't know but we're going to we're we're going to send a group text and figure it out right after we we're done recording this maybe um, but that's where we're going to go through our lists what we are excited about to watch this movie or this year methods as we go through our standard 31 days of new to us horror movies and try to rack those up we'll do what we did last year we'll do a che- one check-in in the middle Uh, and we'll do a wrap-up sometime in November of everything we watch, Final Counts. Uh, In between all that, we have a whole month of movies. And we're doing something that uh, I think is going to be a ton of fun. Peter and I, from the beginning of the show, Peter especially, has talked about how much we uh, love anthology horror movies. Our first Halloween Spooktacular was taking some of our favorite segments from those. And we finally decided after six years that we let's just do some of our... Anthology, some great anthology horror movies that we've never really covered or covered uh, in its in their entirety. So we're doing kicking off next week with Creepshow. Then we're doing Tales from the Hood, uh, Vault of Horror, and uh, Tales from the Crypt, the Amicus horror movie, a double double feature. And then we're wrapping up with our Halloween Spooktacular, which is every VHS movie, including the one that will be released VHS ninety nine. On October 20th. Uh, that is going to be quite the fucking episode, I think, Peter. Uh, and my guess is, I don't want to call our shot too early. I don't want to babe root this. Um, I think we'll probably give have more energy for VHS 1 <laughs> than we will for VHS 99,
1: <laughs> regardless of quality. Uh, yeah. I hope to keep the energy up the entire time in a very irritating way. Oh, yeah. Let's have, like... So many
0: Mountain Dews, like we're twelve year olds mm-hmm. who just discovered a VHS tape.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm hoping to, I'm hoping to, it, it to be uh, somewhere between uh, yeah, two a.m. twelve year old energy um, and the energy of um, a recap podcast done by the cast of that sitcom. Yeah. Uh, Where they have to pretend like everything in the show is just gorgeous and beautiful and like, oh, my God, can you believe that we pulled this off the entire time? I always think we have that energy
0: now because we started editing at two times speed and we are uh, very, very hyper kids who love movies and also uh, are very upset about uh, rape
1: culture. (laughs) (laughs) And we have several Christmas albums coming out. Great, it's me. Uh, it's me. Editing fun. Uh, all right. Christmas, Christmas time is here. Spooks for that you,
0: and like spooks for me.
1: Next week. On, we love
0: to watch. Let's start ending shows like we're a fucking seventies TV show. <sighs> Ah. Ah. <laughs> ah. That's where that's where he was channeling his fake father's performance in young Frankenstein. <laughs> uh you know it's uh yeah, Molly plays the piano, doesn't she?
1: Mhm. Um
0: so I I tickled the ivories. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> <laughs> she heard you say that. Now we're getting divorced.
1: <laughs> you, ever, you ever come up with the most annoying way to say something right after you say it normal? <laughs> like, wait, hold on, hold on. It's too late. It could have been annoying.
0: <laughs> um, I, I'm starting my. Uh, I. What's funny is that like I didn't have what I would call like the pandemic hobby that everyone mm-hmm. had, only because I have so many hobbies I don't have time for. Anyways, I love reading. I love playing video games. I love uh, movies. And uh, I have a giant list of TV shows I want to watch. So I like, I always was like, oh, you know, it's not that I had so much extra time anyways because I had two kids, period. But it was, you know, I was not. I guess the one thing you say is that was around the time I was getting into comic books for the first time and I was devouring series. So maybe. But, like, that's still pretty in line with, like, other things I like. So it doesn't feel like a new hobby. But I, um, I brought out a toy piano for Theo um like just a stupid like you know little like press buttons and so that because I was encouraging him to start sitting up so you know and uh and kids like that because then they can you know pound on the keys and they're focused on you know not falling over or not being in a sitting up position uh and like I was having fun with it a little bit and I'm like so I took piano lessons for like three years when I was a kid and like a lot of things, one, the fact that my parents I didn't really want to do it at the time, my parents made me, which had its own implications because a lot of times things that uh i didn't I didn't like doing things my parents wanted me to do, and also like it's hard for kids to learn how to do the discipline part of playing a piano um but then I would sometimes still play occasionally and keep it up and get not good and literally lost the ability to do anything with my left hand, so I would only learn the right handed you know the treble parts of songs, but I'm like. You know, like I'm literally Googling is 39 too old to learn, to relearn how to play piano. Uh, and I bought one. And i they have some really cool lesson stuff now with like your iPad that t- does the lessons and also like recognizes your tone. So, you know, if you played the right note or not and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, so, yeah, Peter, when I'm done with this, I'm going to go do my piano lesson for the day. That's
1: nice. Yeah, I... Uh, <clears throat> I w- I wish that I had uh picked up something like guitar or piano that's more yeah. like normal to pick up as an adult cuz I learned uh, trumpet when I was a kid. See, I took I took years. trumpet for 2 years and I hated that too. And I I would have liked it a lot if I had heard like afrobeat music or like jazz or 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 like Just fucking any any American funk, but instead they were having us play marching band music. And fuck that, I don't want to. I don't want to play marching band music. I know. I
0: mean, that was the problem. Was like all the piano books were like songs I had no interest in either. Too. So like later on when I was like in junior high and high school, and like I, my parents, other kids in my family started learning the piano, and they had like piano books that played like songs that I liked. I would try like because I could still read the music. I would you know go and like teach myself songs that i was like oh i would like to learn that song on the piano and um it's it's like who wants to fucking learn row 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 your boat and old mcdonald had a farm when you're in second grade like no one
1: no yeah uh loser shit and then i don't think it would be i don't think my wife would respect if i um bought a brass instrument in this home (laughs) And just play trumpet on my own all the time.
0: Well, the good thing about the piano is because I I got keyboards. Like, I didn't get a real, like, I just got, you know, which has a headphone jack. So I can be as non-annoying as I need to be with it. Besides, I guess, the little, like, you know, keys, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: keys clipping where I think that would be hard to do with trumpet. Uh...
1: Also, I do think,
0: like, (laughs) if you do get it, here's how I want you to to set it up, though, Peter. Mm Mm-hmm. want you to have friends over, Mm -hmm. have a few glasses of wine, gently convince convince your wife to play a couple songs, and then after, like, one or two songs, be like, oh, I can actually accompany this one, and pull out the trumpet from a closet somewhere, and just start blasting. (laughs)
1: Because
0: I can't think of a worse pairing of instruments.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I... Um, yeah, I, 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 I understand that like, you know, so, like some gorgeous music is made by like a single trumpeter. Like that's like what Miles Davis did. Like, it a, it a th- it's a thing. Well, Peter, the from pro- my understanding, the it was thing actually is, the
0: music he didn't play that people like the most.
1: Oh, yeah, that's true. In, w- in which case I am performing jazz, <laughs> jazz trumpet perfectly because um, I'm not playing it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I never
0: thought about that, Peter. You're actually doing great.
1: Yeah, but uh, I don't think that um, people want to come out and see a single uh, trumpeter um, playing hot cross buns for ten <laughs> drunk thirty-two-year-olds.
0: <laughs> oh, hold on! I got to do that thing where I get the spit out of it on the yeah, side. Tell me, blast
1: that! <laughs> uh, blast the spit out of this. You yeah. think it's, that we actually blasted it into it? We blasted into a boot. Um, and then someone has to drink it <laughs> that that instrument persisted
0: very early in its invention after a lot of red flags
1: <laughs> it is also weird because like I remember emptying my spit valve way more than you have to it's <laughs> uh, th- only like, semen <laughs> I
0: was in 6th grade um, I hate, like, I didn't like the way the trumpet we felt. We were
1: on a summer break! <laughs> my, yeah.
0: <laughs> my uh, my dad played trumpet, which is why when I quit piano, they said I had to still play an instrument. And, like, they just were starting band at my school. And I went to the recitals, and I did the thing that, like, I think probably a lot of kids do, where I, like, I hated playing it. It felt, I didn't like it. Like, I didn't enjoy... The with your lips, it was not fun for me. So I would just sit at recitals and pretend to play. Because who, the, how the fuck can you tell if I'm playing or not? Just, you know, hit notes. I like legitimately. I never really learned how to play it.
1: Yeah, i i got I got the principle because I played it long enough. Um, I just don't know if you put one in my hand, if I'd be able to do anything other than B A C B A C B B B B A.
0: I would like to see you. You should have done that solo at your wedding. <laughs> like Peter prepared a song from his childhood that was very... <laughs> like
1: what I should have done was
0: ask...
1: <laughs> I have a childhood friend that couldn't make it to the wedding because he was in mm-hmm. Um And yeah, South Carolina is a long way just... from San Diego. <laughs> it's, it's very close. Uh, and uh, he was... Uh, incapable of coming to the wedding because of just shit going on like yeah. with work. Um and I love the idea of having him play like our wedding song on guitar and then him playing another wedding song at the uh, uh the actual like reception and then people do like their like nice claps and then I come out and then I'm like bah, bah, bah. <laughs> You gotta have your
0: wife do piano first like, And now the groom With the selection that he's picked out Wait,
1: does anyone have that thing That I put in the middle to make a go? fight It's like An important detail Molly will be bored and looking at her phone During the guitar part <laughs> But crying when I'm Playing hot Oh It's the
0: first song We ever made love to he had,
1: to, he had to check his guitar to get there from Columbia. It has international stickers on the case still. And she's on her phone.
0: was <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, is that three blind mice? You son of a bitch, get out. <laughs>
1: You think like, I'd play three blind mice at my wedding? Oh, <laughs> all right. any Christmas.